Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From the Fifth Quarter Studio in Madison, Wisconsin... You're listening to the Coaching Youth Hoops Podcast. They're playing basketball. 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 Here's our hosts, Steve Collins. Steve Collins. And Bill Flitter. Bill Flitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coaching Youth Hoops. Coach Bill is... uh, has taken over as you can see by my my goatee here i'm on uh i'm on a little bit of a break but before we jump into the podcast i want to make sure you go over and check out coachingyouthhoops.com the one-stop shop for anything you need as a youth basketball coach practice plans handouts videos you name it it's all there it's a one-stop shop it's basketball coaching in a box um and prices are going to be going up this fall so if you're thinking of coaching your son's or daughter's team, um, coachingyouthhoops.com is the answer. Go over and check it out. Um, and if you're part of a youth organization, let us know. We can uh, we can take care of your whole youth organization, too. Um, but go over and check it out, coachingyouthhoops.com, and let's head off to the podcast. Hello, coaches, and welcome to another episode of Coaching Youth Hoops. I am your host today, Coach Bill Flitter. And we have a special guest today. We have a 17-year coaching veteran, uh, high school coaching, as well as youth coaching coach. uh, He coaches his daughter, coached his daughter uh, up to sixth grade, uh, former player uh, at Santa Rosa Junior College. Saul, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you today. Appreciate you jumping on. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me, Bill. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I've listened to almost every episode i've learned a, a lot of things learning uh listening to previous guests so oh, you're that one listener we have i appreciate you thank you i thought it was my mom my mom doesn't even listen to the podcast <laughs> no bill you do a great job really, really <laughs> honored to be invited and and speak a little bit on basketball 
Well, and we're going to talk about a topic near and dear to my heart, which is practice planning. It is, uh, I look at it, it's an art. And you really, as a coach, as especially as a youth coach, you really have to uh, balance between, as we're going to talk about skill development and game development and what you're going to do in your game. You know, as a youth coach, you know, players don't have the skills like they do when you're coaching high school. And even then, right, it's still, you still have to strike that balance. So uh, let's just dive right into the topic and, and maybe what, if you could, let's start this way. So let's start from the top. Like, tell me what your thoughts are on at a high level, this, like a practice plan at the youth level would look like and then we're going to and then we'll dive into that and go a little bit deeper i mean because you see these kids at the high school level right and you're like okay if i if i develop a sorry i'm rambling here but if i develop a practice plan for every youth coach this is what it might look like so they're ready for high school yeah no i think this is a great topic it's really near and dear to my heart um you know first i think i should start off by saying I've been a, a classroom teacher for over 20 years. And I, I think this is important to mention because I've learned so much mm-hmm. in the classroom as a teacher. And I think it transfers very well to the basketball court, court and coaching. Um, I've been teaching at an at-risk school. Basically, it's a second chance high school, continuation high school. And I mention this because in order to reach this particular population, I mean, you got to have a really good classroom management. Mm. And I think having great classroom management uh, transfers extremely well to having good court management or practice management. Um, And I think I've taken a lot of these skills and these experiences onto the basketball court as a coach. I think it's helped me tremendously. Um, So, you know, we as coaches, I think we have a great responsibility and that's, that's skill building. Uh, I think most of us will agree that basketball is very hard. Basketball is also extremely fun and it could be even more fun when you have these skills. So, you know, there's no greater joy in my life than knowing that I could be a big part in building important lifelong basketball skills. Um, You know, I've experienced that as a classroom teacher, whether it's teaching fractions, decibels and percents, or, you know, now it's, on the court, building stamina, strength, competitiveness, dribbling, shooting, and so on. So, you know, some of these challenges that coaches have on the youth level, right? They, they have limited time. Most of these coaches might only have one hour per week. Many times Mm -hmm. they might only get a half court. Um, These are kids that are coming there for the first time or who have limited skills. You might not even have any assistant coaches. Uh, parents are going to be there watching the entire time. So it's, you know, it, it could be a daunting task, and um, but it doesn't have to be. And I think it all starts with, like in everything, it starts with preparation. So when I'm talking about preparation, you know, what are you thinking about to prepare for that maybe one hour practice? Yeah. So... Some of these things, and I'm going to go over these, maybe each one, I'm going to talk about the dreaded cones that, (laughs) you know, from previous podcasts, there's uh, a lot of haters of the cones. And I'm going to say, don't be a hater of the cones. (laughs) Um, We're going to talk about using a clock or a timer. 
um, music, you know, bringing basketballs, uh, transitional cues, uh, circle ups, and just the overall practice plan. So, you know, I, I think that's those are like the the main things in the in the in my mind of preparing for a good practice. And, and let me stop you right there because I want to touch upon this because you're not the first person who said this, and I hear it a lot from Steve, the other co-host of the podcast. He's also a teacher, and he talks that that you know being a teacher has really helped him on the court. If you could maybe like pinpoint because obviously not all all youth coaches right their their parents they have other types of jobs. But what do you think the, the the one skill is that teachers possess that if I'm a youth coach that maybe I could go out and learn or enhance? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, you know, maybe I'll, I'll say too, I mean, relationship building is, is, is huge mm, as yeah, a teacher, right. building that relationship with your students and with, with your players. And then the second one is, is listening. So, um, and I'm not really sure which is first or which is second in that <laughs> range. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that I've I've learned also over the years is I've learned to be an effective communicator or, you know, I'm not an expert at any, but mm-hmm. I'm definitely getting better where, you know, my first few years of teaching, I'm just talking and talking and talking and rambling. And now my words are more concise and they have more meaning and they're more effective. So, you know, that's one of the themes here of of this podcast today is just, you know, trying to use less words or in, in these words that you're using, they're, they're purposeful, they're meaningful. You know, you're not having some 10 minute diatribe on, you know, why this is why we're doing the shell uh, defensive drill. And, and it's the same thing in the classroom, whether, you know, when I'm teaching my math class, you know, I'm trying to use just less talk, more effective words um, and, and have the, the, that class, that lesson be more effective, more, and just moving, moving more. Yeah. Well, Hey, if you, uh, if you ever want to be an effective coach and use less words, do a podcast and then listen back to every episode of yourself talking (laughs) that will, uh, that will definitely change your vocabulary and how much you talk. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Well, yeah, let's dive into that then. So you, I love the, I love the fact that you brought up the the cones and, and some of these other things. And, and that's the thing of, with basketball. And I always tell my students and especially parents, there's a hundred and one ways to coach this game. And, you know, the things that you do and I do might be completely different. Um, and the way we teach it might be completely different. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you're right. I'm right. It doesn't mean you're wrong or I'm wrong. It's just, of course, there's those fundamental things. And there's some things I bet we, uh, you know, uh, I could get you going on that you would never change. And it's like every coach should be doing this. And I'm the same way. But it, it this game is so complex. So anyway, let's dive into a few of those items that you brought up. Yeah, sure. So, you know, just organizing your, your practice plan. I, I think before you get there, make sure you know who your players are. Make sure you know their names. I mean, you know, that's part of the first step of relationship building. People want to be called by their names. It's not, Hey, you guys like, Hey kid or whatever, you know, really get to know their names. Um, And and that's going to, that's going to go a a long way, but let's just go right into, for example, the cones. Okay. So, you know, I've said, (laughs) don't hate the cones. I think you should definitely have cones and bring multicolored cones. Um, and you could use these cones, for example, for placeholders. I mean, the younger 
the kids are. They need to know where to go. And it's just like in my classroom, everything is organized. They, all the kids, it's your routine and your procedures. You know, it's like that first week of school as a teacher, you got to teach these kids, where are you going to turn in your, your homework? Where do the books go? Where are you Mm -hmm. sitting? So using these multicolored cones. So it could be like, Hey, Jenna, Aaliyah, Stacy, go line up behind the blue cone. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, you could use these for boundaries. If you're playing some small space games or, you know, you might just need some cones for boundaries. So the kids all know where, where the boundaries are. Um, of course, you're using these drills or these cones for drills, um, whether it's creative dribbling drills um, and you're using these for hand-eye coordination. You could use the cones where if you're dribbling with your left hand and you tell them to dribble to the blue cone, when you get to the blue cone, keep your dribble mm-hmm. and then flip the other, flip the cone with your right hand, make it touch, flip it back and go back in line. Um, this is helping your hand-eye coordination. It's building reflexes, dexterity, coordination, and athleticism. Um, so, you know, I, I just think the cones are are good for many creative uses. I also use the cones. And let me ask you this, Bill. When you go yeah. to a practice, you know, do you ever go to a practice? It might be even your own. I mean, sometimes this happens in my practice. And the balls are just scattered everywhere have you seen that before it absolutely drives me crazy i actually stop practice and say kids go put the balls where they belong we have you know specific space you know absolutely yeah and that drives me crazy too now i was very lucky this past season um when i was coaching at college park we had a team manager and the team manager one of his responsibilities was making sure the balls are on the rack now um in, in a youth practice, I use the cones and I have separate cones that form a circle. And when it's time to put the balls, you know, away, I, you know, I like, all right, you know, put the balls in the circle. And as I do this, and this will transition nicely to my, my clock and countdown timer, you know, all right, 10, nine, eight, and, you know, I'll do a little countdown. And it's amazing how kids respond to timers. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. So before I get into the timers part, I just think it's important that you also have a place to where are the balls going to go? Where is their resting place? Whether it's on the first row of the bleachers, whether you actually have a ball rack, um, or if you just create a, a, a circle space within cones. And that's, you know, awesome that's, idea. that's my preference, but yeah. you know, you, you can choose what what's right for you. No, that that is actually, especially at the younger levels, that is a great suggestion. And they can just place it there. Because a lot of times they'll, you know, I'll throw it against the wall and they throw it too hard, rolls back into the court, and you're just wasting time. Here you got the circle, go and drop them in the circle, come back. But you're absolutely right. I got to tell you something I did last night with my youth, speaking of time. So I wasn't quite sure if they were running hard enough, right? And we have these couple drills. And I said, okay, everybody line up. And I had them do one down and back. And I just wanted to set, see how the when the first person got back, okay, how long it took them for a down and back. I was actually pretty surprised. They were pretty good. These are seventh and eighth grade girls. They got back, and the first person got back in less than 10 seconds, okay? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So then I said, okay, um, I think you guys are holding back on me. I have a $100 bill. I'll give everybody $100, 
is if you get back under nine seconds. Okay. Wow. So I wanted to see if they could do it down, down and back in nine seconds. Uh, I was sweating it. I'm telling you, <laughs> the last, uh, the fastest person got back in uh, 9.7 seconds. Wow. Like, okay. Why did I have to offer you a hundred dollars? Right. To get down, right. To down and back. So we're talking about effort, but what, what this, that, this, that number in their head of 10 seconds is a game changer, right? Like they were so excited that they even hit 10 and now they were trying to beat it. And, you know, we were, we do a lot of time drills as well. I just, everything in my practice is timed um, down to, um, you know, even water breaks. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's a, that's a good segue to what I want to mention too. So it sounds like, you know, in your own practice plans, you're doing that. I think it's very effective. Um, talking about the the timer, you know, as a teacher, oh my goodness, you would, I have a t- timer. I time everything, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's, and you know, I chunk my lesson plan. So it might, you know, if I have a, a 45 minute math class, I'm chunking them in maybe 15 or 20 minute segments and I have timers for different things. Interesting. Uh, right home. in the classroom. So you have a timer in your classroom. Oh, just for to- sure. Oh yes. my gosh, that's I- awesome. I don't think I've ever seen that or heard anyone say that they do that. It's brilliant. Yeah. And it's, you know, well, in the classroom, it's really easy. If you, But yeah. let's keep this to, to basketball. So, um, you know, but also I just want to tell you the importance also around my own house. I use timers with my own kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have one child who's ADHD-ish. So, um, you know, and, and these are good timers. It's organizational. Right. Yeah. It gives them these cues. Okay, we're leaving in five minutes. I might go, you know, Amazon or Alexa, whatever, set a five-minute timer. <laughs> right. And um, and, and we, we know that it's time to go. So on the basketball court, if you are lucky enough to have some kind of a the digital clock, mm-hmm. um, if you don't have a digital clock that you're working with, maybe you know you have your phone and you have a timer, or if you just use your voice, right? Um, that is that's plenty good enough. So, like you were just saying, transitional times. If it's water break, all right, guys, balls on the rack, uh, quick water. And then, you know, you could start counting from 10 and they get a quick water and the next transition is, all right, then line up around the three-point line. And it's, you know, more times than not, they're always there within those 10 seconds using the timer. And this is helping you keep an effective, efficient practice, right? We don't want to waste these kids' times. You are there to build skills and you don't want to waste any time. So using a timer is super important. Um, Let's talk about that, though. And I think the one of the bigger well, this comes up all the time. And I hear this, which is but they're not getting it. Saul, within the 10 minutes I allotted. Right. And what do you know? And I'm guilty. I'm guilty as any other coach. What do you do? You continue. That's you continue. The worst thing you could do. <laughs> so dive into that a little bit, you know. Well, you know, I, I, part of it is feel, right? Like you have yeah. your practice plan and I have my practice plan for, for high school. And, and, you know, just as an example, you know, maybe I'm spending 10 or 15 minutes on, you know, dribble handoffs or something like that. And after 10 minutes, maybe n- they don't all get it yet, but you know yeah. what, I'm going to move on to the next one. 
Mm-hmm. I am. And then you know, my next practice, I'll build on it. We'll spend more time on that, on the uh, dribble handoffs. So I think in a youth basketball setting, if you're, if you're working on something, you know, I don't think you should really, I think you do need to move on. I think you need to move on to the next drill or your next concept. And, you know, it's going to be messy and some kids aren't going to be experts at it, but I still think that's okay. We're going to hit up. Hopefully we made some progress within those 10 minutes or whatever time was allotted for. And now you're going to move on and maybe we'll, we'll hit that back up the next practice. Um, you know, and, and part of this also these transitional cues also back to having an effective practice plan. Maybe you bring a whistle. Hmm. Um, maybe you have a three claps type of thing. Um, you know, maybe one of these cues is balls on the rack. It's the timing. So I think everyone should also in their bag of tricks as a coach have transitional cues. And I think, you know, I learned this from observing elementary school teachers. They are, in my opinion, the best teachers in the world. The way that they could corral 25, 30 elementary school kids using these transitional cues is quite amazing. And so I I picked some of this up in in coaching youth kids myself. Um, I like to use three claps. I like to use maybe, you know, one whistle or two whistles. And then that might mean something where we're transitioning or they stop. So I think every coach should have some transitional cues like that. Can you give an example, a real concrete example? That's so clear. when when we're um, what I like to do is, you know, another thing what I'll do is, is, you know, one, two, three, and then eyes on me. It's Mm -hmm. I think a lot of Mm -hmm. us have heard that before. If we're in a small circle and we're giving props out to someone, you know, let's give three claps to Jenna and everyone gives three claps. Um, If I blow the whistle twice, that might mean everyone hold the ball or, you know, I've, I've taught kids that you're going to tuck your ball in your right hand. Um, and that just stops, you know, I might have a, a quick teaching moment and then we're back to that drill. Yeah. So I, you know, those are, those are three examples. Smart. Yeah, no, that, that, that's, a, those are great ideas. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So the other thing um, that I put on here is music. Mm-hmm. And if you have a portable boombox, and I do this in my own high school practices, um, you know, music really kind of became a game changer for me, believe yeah. it or not. And I first learned this um, a few years ago. I went out and I visited a San Diego State practice. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And I just could not believe that Coach Dutcher, Brian Dutcher, he had music on the entire practice. Even as he's coaching and teaching, there's music in the background. It was kind of driving me crazy, but the kids loved it. Yeah. It brought a certain energy. Now, you know, have a, an appropriate music list, of course. <laughs> um, but what I think is also important to get that engagement and relationship building, you can get one or two songs from your players, you know, request. And the next time you might have that list out for them, and, you know, now they feel heard. They feel listened to. It's another form of showing that you care. Yeah. Um, but just having some music, I think it helps um, keep practice fun and energized. I couldn't agree more. I, it's hard for me now not to practice without music. And even the kids are, are saying that. And we usually play the music. When I'm talking, the music goes off. I usually, I usually run it off of my, my phone so I can just stop it if I need to say something during drills we're doing it um but we just found that well 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 i should also say this because i think this is something a, a kind of a carrot which is i tell them if i don't see energy and effort you're listening to my playlist right <laughs> <laughs> all right so if i see energy and effort or i'll reward somebody and say hey you know whatever uh annika hey it's your uh playlist day tomorrow so be prepared send me your playlist of songs I love the way you, you know, did X and, you know, we have these awards, things that we do, red dot awards and um, stuff. We uh, little things, we, we triggers that we have, but yeah, anyway, I just, I, the one though that they just absolutely hate, who oh, just get to play his music. So, I mean, they actually respond to that, right? Uh, uh. Yeah, no, it, it's really funny in my own high school practices. I mean, sometimes in the beginning of practice before the kids are there and I'm setting up, you know, I, I got my, my eighties playlist out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, I might forget to to change the playlist. So, I mean, these kids are getting um, a, a great history lesson in eighties music right now. Yeah. Well, I had one girl the other day that, you know, she said, Oh, it reminds me of being on vacation. And, <laughs> you know, Cause I have the eighties playlist going too. So, right. so I know what her dad listens to her mom and dad listen to, right. When they're on vacation is the eighties soundtrack. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's funny. But music's great. Uh, You'll see the kids, they're jamming to the music while they're in their little drill lines or whatever. And it's, it's, it's It's a light, right? Yeah. Because it's intense already, right? But this just, yeah, yeah, play more of a playful mood in a good way. I think. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things as coaches that we're trying to do, especially on the youth level, right? We want these kids to have fun. We want them to be interested and like basketball, um, you know, there's there was an article that came out in, I believe it was the Wall Street Journal a few months ago. And there's so many kids now that are leaving basketball for yep. other sports, yeah. um, particularly they're they're leaving for mostly for volleyball. And, you know, I'm not going to you know, I know volleyball is, is a great sport itself. Um, and I, I'm sure we could all philosophize or have a conversation of why people are going to volleyball, but you know, we want kids to, to really enjoy this game that we love. So, you know, the last thing I'll say in, in the organizational part and the preparation of a practice plan are the basketballs themselves. Mm. 
Ideally, we want to make sure that we have basketballs for every player out there. Now, you know, if, if that is not a reality because of budgets or whatever it is, you know, maybe, you know, I, I'll ask kids to bring their own basketball, make sure their name is on it. But ideally, it'd be great if we have at least one basketball for everybody. Um, you know, better yet, better yet, sometimes it's nice to have two basketballs. Um, if For those who like to do two ball dribbling um, to, to help with their, their hand-eye coordination and their ball handling skills. Um, you know, and, and just as like a, another prop, especially when it comes to the ball handling skills, you know, I like to bring um, a set of tennis balls. You know, I'm sure that we've all done ball handling drills with the tennis ball. And, you know, I know there's some coaches out here that probably just hate that, but on the youth level, I think it's important to build these skills and it's the hand-eye coordination. You know, I understand that you're not teaching someone, you know, it doesn't really transfer and trying to beat someone off the dribble with a, a tennis ball, but, um, you know, just for the, the prep work and the skill development, I, I think these particular creative drills are fun. They're challenging and it's, um, it's a, a nice piece in adding to your practice plan. I used tennis balls last night, uh, part of the practice and uh, uh, dribbling, uh, you know, and I think of the other thing that it, those types of drills, yes, it doesn't, you know, you don't, you're not carrying a tennis ball in your pocket when you're on the court. Okay. But you know what it does? Watch their faces light up when they can do it. That creates confidence we want confident players because then it's like oh yeah it might be small thing that they achieved but man now they can now they think oh i got that what else could i do right could i do whatever three times in a row versus just the two that i did right so they start challenging them themselves or i'll say oh my gosh you did two in a row hey try three right Right? and they'll try three they never think they could do it right so i think it's that you know, especially with the kids, it just, you know, it's the confidence building piece that that brings as well. Yeah, super important. Building the confidence, building that self-esteem and you're progressing. And and if we want to stay on this ten- tennis ball drill a bit, you know, mm-hmm. maybe for the coaches that are listening here, um, I think, and, and Bill, you can maybe tell me your progression and the progression I like to use with with kids is, you know, if they're dribbling with their right hand, they have a tennis ball in their left hand. And I'm just telling them as they're dribbling their right hand, they're throwing the tennis ball up with their left hand. And like you said, maybe the goal is one in a row, two in a row, three in a row, and so on. And then, you know, maybe it's just for 20 seconds and then we rotate. Um, and then after that, um, it could be dribbling the the basketball and the tennis ball at the same time or in alternating patterns. Um, after that, it could be a partner in a ball. And now you're dribbling the basketball with one hand and your partner is bouncing the tennis ball to you or rolling it or throwing up in the air in different challenging ma- manners. And then the last part of the progression that I like to do is now we're moving. So um, the person with the tennis ball is walking backwards mm. as the person with the basketball is walking forward and they're having that catch with the yep. tennis ball as they're dribbling. Um, and then the, the probably the last part of that then 
is is now dribbling backwards. So we're doing the same thing backwards. You know, dribbling backwards is an important skill and it's something that all kids need to have. They need to know how to dribble backwards. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Very similar progression. The only change is we do, I do it the opposite way to start. You drop the tennis ball and mm-hmm. then you got one crossover and you got to catch it, right? right. And then we progress to two crossovers and then three. I find most high school kids can do three at the youth level. You know, a really good dribbler last night did three in a row. So she's already at that higher level, but most can definitely, you know, they work their way up to two. And then we do combination dribbles off of that. So cross between behind catch, right? So we're working on coordination. We're working on speed. And I think the tennis ball drop, what that does, it tells the players, oh my, I, I I have to be able to dribble quicker. Right. And it can't just be this slow, you know, crossover ball's going to get stolen. Right. So that's like, you know, coaches said dribble faster, dribble harder. Well, what's harder and faster? Well, mm-hmm. now you're working with gravity with the tennis ball. So just one little thing that I found that worked too. Yeah. And I, listen, I, I think that that is great. And that's definitely next level stuff. Um, and that just, you know, I don't want to get off on too much of the tangent about the ball handling, but it, the, the force of the dribble is so key right and and that's what you're talking about eventually you got to be really pounding that ball and it's got to have some force on it for the quickness and and i think you're doing it the right way so i i think that's great bill um going back to again the the practice plan and and for the the youth coaches here that are practicing um a, a few things when we were talking about the drills itself you never want to see long lines like, you know, those Disney like weight lines, right? We want more reps and less standing around. So, you know, who knows, maybe you got a bunch of kids or, you know, I've definitely seen practices with youth coaches and all 15 kids are in one line and um, they're just waiting and waiting and waiting for that one rep. And, you know, at the end of the one hour practice, you know, did they really get good training? Did they really get solid reps? So I think everyone needs to be thinking about that. You know, how can you split up these groups? How can you get, and even if you're just solo coach by yourself, um, it's really important that we minimize wait time and we get more reps going. Yeah. And what I did and why I do this periodically and probably need to do it more often is, Last night I brought in, so I coach a girls team. I brought in two high school girls and one and very different skill set. One is a post player. The other one is a shooting guard. And we did stations last night at practice for, for the first hour. Obviously the, the post player was working on post moves with, with the girls. Right. And then uh, uh, the shooter was working on shooting form and I've trained her. So she knows verbatim everything I say. Right. And then I was working on ball handling and then we would just rotate. We did 15 minute stations from one and they loved it. But I mean, the high school girls loved it because they're giving back. The younger kids loved it because it's like, Oh, well, that could be me someday. Right. And so they're, you know, they're big sisters to, to these young, young ladies. And, you know, then you're really creating a community and, I bet you can find one or two high school students that would be happy to help. Even during the season, if practices don't overlap, right? Um, 
you don't always need to have an assistant coach that or a parent, right? There's other resources available. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up resources and, and basically it's like trying to developing your own coaching skills and pedigree. So I, I think this is a, a yeah. you know, I actually was planning on talking about this too today. And I think that's really important. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, no matter what level of coach you are or what experience you have, you know, basically if you're listening to this podcast right now, that probably <laughs> means that you really care. Yeah. Um, you enjoy coaching and and you want to help um, our youth become better basketball players. So with that said, and what Bill, what you just mentioned, you know, it's so, it's so easy. At least I think it's easy to find, like you said, basketball players from local high schools to come volunteer, uh, do a drill with you. You know, if these practices are only an hour you know, also, you know, selfishly, the incentive for some of these high school kids, they can put this on their resume, yeah. right? As they're right. applying yeah. for college. Yeah. Hey, I was an assistant coach for yeah. Coach Flitter, um, yeah. you know, for his basketball team. But, you know, they're, they're, they're great role models. The young kids look up to them and they're great assistants and they will help you within your own practice plan. Um, you know, and I, I think... Going to, speaking of just getting better at your own craft, um, some things that I wrote down that I think is important is, you know, go out and volunteer in your kids' classrooms. Mm. Observe the best teachers that your kids have. Good point. You know, you will learn. I guarantee you will learn something that you'll be able to bring back onto the court. You'll get great teaching methods. Um, Another one. Ask to watch your local high school or college practices. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never met a coach that has that said no. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they will allow you into their practices. You know, you can ask questions, come bring a notepad and take notes. Um, you know, over the past several years, myself, I, you know, I've, I think that there's been no other high school coach in this area that have seen more St. Mary's practices than Saul Hennick. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if Randy Bennett allowed me to run his practice, I'm pretty sure I'd be able to run it. Oh, that's, I'm surprised he lets you in. <laughs> well, why would you say that? I don't know. I just like, you know, he's you know, with Randy's, uh, you know, he's, I always thought his practices were closed and, um, I guess what we didn't tell the listeners, Saul and I live in the in the same area and actually coached uh, at the same high school, not at the same time, different time. I, I was at Dallas Hill as well, and, and that's a really good point. That's how I started. I was a I coached my son's third grade CYO team, and I was a player, but I never coached. Right, difference. There's a big difference there. So I would call up Frank Alaco at Dallas Hill and say, "Hey, can I come observe?" Yes. I mean, again, same thing with you. Uh, you know, I I could run his practices because I was just, uh, you know, I literally had a notebook. I actually found my, the notebook that I had, I kept with all the notes that I, you know, when I would show up to his practices. And eventually he's like, uh, you want to coach here? <laughs> and then that's how I started coaching high school basketball. I'm like, absolutely. Started with the freshman team there. So, uh, you know, and, and anyway, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing about, 
coaches in general is they will they we want to educate that's what we do right and we're happy to share what we've learned and you just look at online too of all the resources and you know coaches doing videos of their offenses and defenses right um right so yeah i don't know it's a really good point yeah and and just to add i mean i mean this is why you know i I listen to your podcast and I've, i've definitely learned a lot from from your podcast as well so i appreciate you you know putting this on um even when you go on vacation. And let me tell you this. Uh, my wife is from Albuquerque. And anytime we visit Albuquerque, I call up the UNM coach. Mm. Um, the, the last time I was there, uh, Paul Weir was the coach. I know he's not the coach there anymore. But, you know, I just called up randomly their assistant coach. Hey, I'm a local or, you know, I'm a high school coach. I'd love to sit in on a practice. And they just opened up the doors to me and I sat there for an hour and, and watched practice and take notes. I did the same thing at oh, San Diego wow. state under uh, Brian Dutcher. We went to San Diego for vacation. Um, Great idea. You, you know, I had a, one of my players is fortunate enough. He played or he plays currently at Colorado college. It's a D three school in Colorado Springs. Uh, and I watched his practice. It was Jeff Conero uh, mm-hmm. while I was there. Um, I went to Air Force and I watched Joe Scott's practice. Um, I've been to Georgia and watched Tom Crean run a practice. Uh, Holy Cross with Bill Carmody. Um, I've been to a De La Salle football practice and mm-hmm. learning mm-hmm. from other sports yeah. as well, yeah. I think is super important if you want to build on your craft. Yeah. Um, even club soccer teams. I mean, it's amazing. Some of these soccer teams, uh, they run tremendous practices, and and if you're just watching, observing, you will pick up some great nuggets on just how to run an effective practice. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that's a good, good that's a really great suggestion. Uh, I'm headed to Wisconsin, so I'm gonna uh, to visit my family. So I'm gonna look up a few coaches when I'm back there and see if I can jump into a practice or two. Never thought about that from the college level. I just, you know, just thought, oh, you know they're not going to waste their time on a high school coach and uh, open up. Well, if you think about it, there's a lot of incentive to invite you. I mean, all, especially assistant coaches, they're just salivating at at the, you know, the the remote chance that you might have a player for them. So if you build those relationships and that's what they're trying to do, they're trying to build relationships um, and connections. So, you know, and again, I've never been told no. All right. Well, let, we're going to wrap this up with a few questions. So this has been great. We could probably talk about two hours or more on on practice planning because it is a definitely a, a, a skill that you need to learn um, to maximize the time that you have. But uh, what is again? Here, here's you're you're designing practice plans for all the youth coaches in our area. What is the one skill that is going to be on? every practice plan if you can only do one thing what what would you tell coaches it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be shoot. It's got to be two. It's got to be shooting. So shooting form um, and, and the reps of the shooting. And it, it's got to be dribbling. Uh, it's got to be ball handling and dribbling. So those are the two that I'm going to incorporate. And, if, and of course, it's real easy to incorporate both of those skills yeah. in in drills. Um, I know you've had previous um, guests that are experts at shooting form. And I know you're one of them themselves. So I'll, I'll, you know, I'll invite those listeners to listen to those previous podcasts with, with uh, Doc Shepler. You know, I know he is an expert at shooting, so I'll leave that uh, to him, but um, I'm sure we all have similar, you know, form shooting drills that we do. And then of course, just the ball handling, you know, as I watched our, our youth get better and better. And, and then we see them on the high school level. It's those players that can handle the ball mm-hmm. that seem to be, you know, the more successful players, um, even the ones that can't shoot as well as others. If you could handle that ball and get yourself into an offense, if you can handle that ball and get by your defender and get to the rack, um, they seem to be just more uh, successful than, than, than others. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 no, that's great. I, I switched all my training probably in this order. I used to do a mix of all different types of skills, but now I start with, I'm going to master, everybody's going to master shooting. And what it really boiled down to is what's how, how do, how do parents and how do kids score a game? How many points did you have, right? It's the first thing. Not how many stops you had, how many people you you blew by with your dribbling moves, right? I'm like, okay, so let's just, let's give them that. Let's give them the gift of shooting, right? And obviously you and I know they need to develop those other skills as well. And you can create your own shots if you have a good dribble, right? And get open and all that. But you know what? Man, if they could just start at the youth level with great shooting psychologically and building their confidence, um, it'll keep them playing and then you say hey you want to be a better shooter oh you need to be a better dribbler ball handler right so then we then we work on those skills um next so um it's kind of the order of things all right you've been to a lot of youth practices uh what is the one drill you would just tell every coach not to do anymore (laughs) put you on the spot here oh man that's a tough one Um, you see a lot right there's always those standard drills yeah you know i i I think you know, I, I do think the three-man weave still has a place in to, in today's practices. Uh-huh. Um, I I just don't think that youth coaches use do the three-man weave correctly or a, as efficient as they should. I mean, even on my high school level, we do do a three-man weave, and it's mostly for. I mean, it, it's part conditioning, um, and it's also for proper passing form and coming to jump stops. 
So all I would say is for that, I, I think that if you are going to use and do a three-man weave, you know, I, I want you to just think about how you're doing it. Is it effective um, or is it a waste of time? The second thing I would definitely just get rid of is those fake stretching circles. If you start your practice out with stretching or, you know, I don't know what people do in, in their circles, um, I would get rid of it. Um, and you know, I don't know, maybe I'll get some hate mail or some hate tweets after this, but I just, I, I think it's a waste of time. Um, you, you know, when you got kids that young, they're already so limber that they, they stretch, either tell them to come early and do your stretching. Um, no need to do it and, and waste time of your, your, your precious one hour practice. So I have a one hour practice, break it down for me. Uh, maybe in, in maybe in percentages, uh, what it would look like. What how, what how should I think about my practice? I'm a youth coach. One hour, yeah, so one hour a week, or one hour, you know, maybe twice a week, whatever it might be. Yeah. So if I'm chunking that out, you know, the very first thing, you know, we're gonna get in a little circle. We're gonna just kind of just go over, you know, make sure we we know everybody's names real quick. Yeah. Uh, if it's a first practice. Um, you know, just kind of lay down some quick expectations, you know, get one in. Um, and then we're going to go straight into some dribbling drills, whether it's stationary or moving or combination. So there's going to be a percentage of dribbling. Then we're going to go into form shooting. We're going to actually do some, um, some shooting games. Um, and be before that also, we're going to do some dribbling games, whether it's dribble tag or dribble Pac-Man. Um, you know, and of course this is, we're talking youth level here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, after that, there could be some, um, I'm going to do some passing drills, uh, and, you know, just getting the, the proper form of passing, maybe passing on the move stationary passing. We're working on all sorts of different passing, one-handed chest pass, bounce pass on the move passes. Um, and then we're going to get into maybe, maybe a conceptual type of drill, which whether it's just a a pass and cut drill or a pass and screen away or, or an on ball screen. And, you know, there's going to be a small percentage on, um, on defense, proper defensive stance, um, depending on the level, you know, we can talk about help side um, type of defense, and then we're going to give them dessert and dessert is actual playing, whether it's three on three, you know, four on four, if you're playing five on five, and this is all, it's going to be progressive depending on the age appropriateness and the skill level. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yep. So a lot, so in the majority of your practice with the youth is skill development and then some conceptual things on offense and probably some defense in there as well. And then play, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, even at my high school level, you know, if I have a two hour practice, the first 45 minutes, sometimes even an hour is still skill development. Yeah. Yeah. We do about an hour. I have a two hour practice with the seventh, sixth and seventh or seventh and eighth grade girls. And we go an hour or 45 minutes to an hour just on shooting and ball handling. We combine those two. I have a bunch of different drills that we, you know, get lots of shots up with a ball. Everybody's got a ball in their hand, right? Yep. All timed, right? And there's nothing like there's either they're either they have some sort of constraint on it. It's a time constraint or a number of makes, or they're competing against everybody else on the court, right? Some sort of constraint that puts that pressure, game-like pressure on them, right? So they just feel it a little bit because as you know, it's 
I, I can shoot, even I can shoot, uh, you know, against the NBA player from just standing in the corner, right? You know, and he's got to close out on me. But as soon as I put that ball to the ground, he's going the other way with it, right? Yeah. So, or whatever, I'm going to miss it. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, that that's good. Any final words, any last minute words of advice before we sign off today, Coach? I mean, I'll just say, you know, um, Bill, I'm really appreciative of having this time and opportunity to speak to everybody on on your podcast. I think podcasts like yours is is very important for all youth coaches or coaches in general to to listen to. I think you can pick up something from um, from from this podcast and others um, that will help with your craft. I mean, I just think that we have a great responsibility and this is fun. Basketball is fun. And it's so great to, to help our youth out to build these skills. So they'll enjoy this great game that we all love. Uh, Coach, I really appreciate you appreciate your time. And, and if it's, if there is one thing that you wanted coaches to hear today, what is that message? And then we're out. Well, that's, it's fun. Keep it fun. There <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, even at, at my level, um, you know, one of our pillars is is just playing with fun and playing with joy. Yeah, no, that's great. All right, coach, to next time. Um, oh, I did forget if, if coaches want to get a hold of you, uh, how can they reach you? Well, they could definitely reach me. You know what? I If you want to get me through Twitter, I'm at Saul Hennick, S-O-L-H-E-N-I-K. Uh Otherwise, you could just, you know, you can contact me at Saul Hennick or, uh, um, yeah, Saul Hennick at yahoo.com. Perfect. Thank you, coach. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate you and, and good luck this season. All right. Thank you. Appreciate you. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.